You are listening to Hear Her Sports, a podcast for active, adventurous women who love hearing stories from other active, adventurous women. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery. In every episode, I introduce a female athlete or women in sport through a conversation about who they are and the terrific work they're doing. With me today is wonderful, courageous bike tourist, Whitney Washington. I am a total planner, so Whitney's way of figuring things out along the way is totally out of my wheelhouse, but I love it. Not being 100% prepared, and is that even possible, doesn't prevent her from starting an adventure. Whitney asks us and herself to think about what bike touring looks like. Does it need to be done the way most people imagine it? Of course not. Bike touring or any adventure will not be the same for everyone. And it is A-OK to ride across the country and not want to be outside at night when the spiders show up. My mind really opened up in this conversation, so thank you so much, Whitney. But before we get going, a few things. First, the quote Whitney mentions, but couldn't remember fully, is, your body is an instrument, not an ornament. And second, she and I recorded at the end of June. She flew from Texas to Alaska on July 4th to start the next adventure. She just finished getting her bike set up and has already started posting on social. Find those links in the show notes. Now, let's meet Whitney and hear from her about adventuring. Whitney Washington is a 31-year-old storyteller and worldwide bike adventurer. In 2021, she rode across the United States. This month, July 2022, she begins a new trip in Anchorage, Alaska, And over the next several months, she'll make her way down towards Argentina. Along the way, Whitney will stop to try new things, expand her adventures, and experience childhood dreams. Throughout all of her adventures, Whitney aims to share the story of why all of our stories matter by learning about herself and the world around her, creating content that represents her outlook, the challenges, and self-exploration. Whitney grew up in a military family and moved around a lot. She discovered adventures with her mother on car trips to explore their new surroundings. She also enjoyed watching action sport films and stories about exploration and envisioning herself within those experiences. But being fat was always the reason why she felt she could never achieve such ambitions. She believed she had to lose weight first. In college, she attended an event for suicide prevention and learned about mental health and suicide-related deaths. She knew she wanted to contribute to addressing the problem. During that time, she stumbled upon video editing, which ignited her imagination and showed her how she could help. She believed her best way of contributing was showing people that their life, story, and dreams mattered. She quickly realized that she needed to show that to herself as well, which led her on this journey of self-understanding. Well, welcome, Whitney. It is fantastic to have you here on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here. So... I've been wondering how to start because your adventure is so fantastic, but I think one thing that I find interesting about it is it seems like the storytelling aspect of it is as important as the actual adventure aspect of that. Is that true? That is very true, yes. So tell me why the storytelling is so important. Well, I um, I very much believe that our stories and our perspectives are very important. Growing up, I've always been overweight. And as a kid, that was just very curious. I didn't particularly, you know, understand why people, well, especially like, like my parents, my mother, she was just, she's just a very big, like, exercise type person. 
But, you know, you'd go to gyms and stuff like that, and you just see that people would just be there to kind of be there. And as a kid, I, I just never particularly liked going to the gym. I, not, I never liked it. And over time, I really had to understand, you know, what it was that I wanted for me. And you, you'd get filled up with a lot of stories of who you're, you should be, who you're supposed to be. And I thought I couldn't do things until I lost weight. But once I started to actually see stories that changed that perspective, that showed that, okay, there are fat people who mountain climb and there are fat people who run marathons, you know, I had to reframe how I looked at myself differently and how I looked at my story. And I think like the more that we have the capacity to reframe the way that we tell stories to ourselves, we can create better lives for ourselves, you know, because we all have different ways of living and doing things. And I just kind of think it's important to you know, share that so that people know that they're capable of doing so much more. Since you've started telling these stories online and through social media and YouTube and whatnot, have you been introduced to a larger community of people that are like you and have similar mindset? I have. I've found um, a lot of athletes, uh, fat athletes that they like to be called. And I just find it fascinating because you know, their mindset of um, celebrating their body and having joyous movement is amazing to me. You know, it, it really made me see that, you know, exercising doesn't have to be boring or uh, uh, overwhelming. You know, it can be fun and you can do many things to, you know, make sure you have that movement for your body. I mean, your mental shift was pretty big. So do you remember, you know, how that happened? Um, no, yeah, I remember how it happened. I was making videos for a fitness company here in my hometown in Jacksonville. And that definitely started because of the verbiage that they were using the idea of celebrating your body and joyous movement and and you know I never really heard workout people talk about things like that and they're they're really like focusing on being outdoors and letting yourself you know move outdoors with fun and that started me towards looking at my body differently and moving my body differently. And then I started to find different stories through hiking and bike touring. And at first I was like, oh, that's not for me, but it's really cool. Like maybe when I lose weight, I could try that. But then I started seeing stories of people who were bigger and they were um, doing those things. And I was like, huh, maybe I can do that. And so it was just kind of like a ripple effect where I started to just see things differently over time. 
um, until one day I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go and try it myself. So. I love that you talk about that. Cause one of the things I like talking about on this podcast is, you know, there's definitely this vision through marketing and whatnot of what an athlete looks like. And mm. there are very few of us who look like that person. And, you know, it's, I think it's so important that we discover that everybody can move and enjoy their body. And I also think it's really interesting finding that your body has a function changes everything or can change everything. Yes. I remember there's a quote that I had came across a few years ago that says your body is, is not an ornament. It's a, oh, I can't remember. But when I heard that quote, it kind of really changed my perspective of like, your body has the capacity to give you a whole lot more than just like looking nice, you know, and the more that like you test that and experiment with that, like, you have no idea where you could go and what you could do, you know, because when we were in lockdown, I remember getting on TikTok for the first time and I came across this kid who was doing backflips on his scooter and it was a big kid. He he had to be over 200 pounds, you know, and he was backflipping on his scooter and, and like seeing these stories really does like show you like we really do not know the capacity of a human body like we think we do, you know, and, and stories really do have that ability to just change things rather quickly because it just shows you right there. Right. Sure. Yeah. Do you know where your sense of adventure has come from? Because it's interesting because, you know, you say that you weren't into the gym, but you, it seems at least from the outside that very quickly you went from, you know, saying you don't like the gym to riding across the country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I grew up in a military family, so we moved around a lot, especially when I was a kid. My mother, she loves driving. And so, especially when we lived in California, she just put us in the car and we would just drive places. And that's definitely where that birthed from. And I just always had that curiosity of wanting to experience things and see things. But I remember at a very young age, I want to say probably in elementary school, you know, that video game, Tony Hawk Pro Skater. I just, I love that video game. And I was like, I want to skateboard, you know, but you kind of get told like, yeah, you can't do that till you lose weight type of thought process, you know, but I just always loved that. And I always loved extreme sports. I loved that part of the Olympics. And I was like, when I lose weight, I want to do extreme sports, you know? So once I did start seeing actual people who were doing it, who had the body size I had, I was like, you know, um, I'm gonna just go figure it out. And that, that, that's just been my motto for now. It's like, figure it out and we'll improve along the way, so. I love that. I mean, to me, that's what adventure is, you know, like sort of, willy-nilly going out and, you know, who cares what happens? Exactly. When your mom went out driving, did she have a route in mind or you guys were just going out? Oh, no. It, 
we would just go out. She'd be like, okay, I want to go to Palm Springs. Okay, I want to go to San Francisco. We'll just, we just keep going throughout California um, and the neighboring states. And that was that. We just go on our small little adventures because my dad, he was always on the ship. So we would just, uh, yeah, we'd just go explore. Cool. Well, let's get to your first big adventure, which is the trip across the United States, mm. and you rode your bike. Can you, I mean, what was it like? Just, I don't know, like, how did you plan that? How did you start? How did it occur to you to do it? Mm. So during quarantine, well, actually before quarantine, no, technically, even before that, I had been wanting to go on like some kind of long distance trip. And like I had been telling my friends this for several years. At first I was like, I'm gonna skate across Europe. And then I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna kayak across America. You know, it was it was that kind of rhetoric. Like I'm gonna do this. And my friends are like, okay, that's cool. And then like at the beginning of 2020, my friend sent me an article about the Great American Rail Trail. And it's like a trail that goes from one side of America, D.C. to Washington State. And I was fascinated because not only are they building that trail, I just didn't know bike trails existed. Because I knew when I was, was trying to plan skateboarding across the country, you know, I was like, I don't know if I want to be in the road like that, you know. And so I didn't particularly know bike trails existed. And so when quarantine came about, I started to research that and I started to watching uh, more bike touring videos. There's this bike touring video with Ryan Doozer and uh, he had brought this guy along that he had met at, uh, I, th I think it's called, it's a bike thing in Iowa. He had met him and it was a black guy. And that was one of like the first times I ever saw like a black person or a person of color like out there. And that really kind of also started changing my perspective as well. And he brought him along to the Great Divide. And that guy also made his own videos. And I just found that fascinating because like he didn't really have that much experience of bike touring. And you're just like watching his videos and he, he, there was part, there's times he was kind of like crying cause he, it was just so hard and it hit me so hard. And I was like, for some reason in my head, I was like, even though he was going through so much pain, I was like, I want to try that. <laughs> like it was, a, <laughs> it was, it was like, I just, I want to be out there. I want to try that. And th there's like this one video where he was like, okay, I'm almost at a hundred miles. I'm just going to keep going. And you see him just struggling along and he got to a hundred miles and it was just so heartwarming. And like, I remember even on my trip, I, there was a day where I was like, oh, today is the day I could do a hundred miles. And I went out to set on the goal. I didn't reach 100 miles. I got to like 87 because it was getting dark and it would have been really stupid to keep going. But, you know, it was just really inspiring to like see that story. And it kind of like 
when February of 2021 came around, I, I just said yes. I was like, I'm going to go out on this bike tour and figure it out. And I think I had like $200 and no, I had a little bit more than that. And I, I had gotten the gear. And so by the time I was about to leave, I had like $200 and like, it's like, you know, <laughs> we're just gonna figure it out and see how it goes. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, yeah, from there, that, that, that was definitely the beginning, the start of how I got to that point for sure. Okay. I have a lot of questions, but first, what was the attraction of this long distance stuff? Because if I'm understanding correctly, you had never done a long distance. So it was sort mm -hmm. of this imaginary thing in a way. Yeah. Mm, I think it was because of working with that fitness company. You know, I started to really learn about the outdoors. And like I, I had started like watching like through hiking videos and stuff like that. And I was like, that was the beginning of me wanting to really understand what my body was capable of mm. and if it was possible for me to do something at this point it really started to frame the story of trying to understand me and understand what was true if i could actually do the things i want to do right now with my body and so i thought like through hiking was just one of the most like fascinating things you know it's just you and your body, but it always kind of seemed so unattainable for the longest time, you know, and then like skateboarding. I, I originally, I never wanted to like skateboard across Americas. I wanted to like go somewhere else, but that, that still seemed unattainable. So every time I was like bringing up all these different things, it just, even though I wanted to do it, it just didn't seem accessible at the time, you know, but once I did get back on my bike, I was like, this makes sense. I can make this happen. I'm going to figure this out. And I think also too, it was that idea of, you know, at the moment I, I had no desire to, uh, like do small trips. I just wanted to be out there and figure it out. And I think that was one of the biggest thing. It was like something that I would have just been out there figured it out over time because it would have been an extended amount of time to let me grow and fail and try and do over and over again. And I think that was one of the biggest reasons why like a long distance trip was a lot more interesting to me than something short. So. I think you made the wise choice. I think skateboarding across the country would have been, <laughs> would have been something else. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I don't even know how to skateboard. <laughs> so, well, let's go back to the details of the trip because, you know, you have $200. You haven't ridden that much. Mm. You haven't backpacked that much, tent cap that much. Not at all, actually. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just so amazing to me because there are so many people who have experience in all those things. And are still hesitant to make a trip like that. So what got you out and, and tell us more about how, like what those first days were. Hmm. So I think the biggest thing that got me out there was just, it was just fascination. And now, you know, I know more about myself now. One of the biggest things is I just have always had a desire to travel and it was such a 
accessible way for me to see more. But like, yeah, like the beginnings of the trip was was very difficult. It was extremely difficult. You know, my my father, when he had brought me to the Amtrak station, he's like, you know, your your bike, it, it is it is it is quite heavy. And I'm like, it's fine. You know, I have everything that I need, you know. And so in the beginning stages, like my bike was indeed very heavy and it made life very difficult. But I had come across some amazing humans that had brought me to their home and helped me sort through all my stuff and send stuff home and brought me back to the trail so that I could keep going. At what point did that happen? I want to say like maybe like the second or the third day. Oh, oh, oh early on. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because like, yeah, it was because uh, it was already hot out there and my bike was really heavy and I was like pushing my bike. And so... I, uh, they were on trail walking. Some of their friends were in town and um, they just came across me because I was getting on and off on my bike and they were just like, um, you need any help? And I was like, no, just my bike's really heavy. <laughs> and he went to hold my bike and he's like, this bike is extremely heavy. <laughs> and he's like, uh, I don't know. Because he's a dad and he was like, yeah, I don't know if I would let my daughter keep going with this bike. <laughs> he's like, please just let me help you. And I was like, okay. And so him and his wife and then like the two friends, they helped me push their bike back. And for some reason, I, j I just trusted. And they were the sweetest, most amazing humans. And they, I stayed at their house for like, I want to say a good week figuring out all my stuff, sending stuff home. And then uh, there was a tent that somebody had sponsored me with. And then they brought me back to the trail. And from there, you know, I had to keep figuring out. And definitely at the beginning of that trail, it, like looking back, that trail definitely helped condition me because by the time I got done with the CNO and the gap, I was able to do a, a good 30 miles. In the beginning, I, I could only do like two, three miles a day, you know? And so even though at the time I was like, I don't like this trail, it's so lonely. There's so many bugs because the cicadas were out in swarms <laughs> or they're like uh, dead all over the place. And I was like, I don't want to be out here. You know, I was complaining all along the way, but, but that trail was, actually a fantastic trail for a beginner because it had campsites all along the trail every at least like every five miles pretty much and it had water and all of that stuff and then like it had the different stop-offs where you can go into town and stuff and and I did I grew a lot in the beginning and so after that once I started getting into Ohio and stuff like that, you know, I was able to kind of make my own decisions. So yeah, that beginning part, it was difficult. It was extremely hard, but it helped me continue for like the more daunting parts along the way. So what did you send home? Oh, I sent home. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of ridiculous stuff. So like one of the things that I had was like a 
<laughs> a camping toilet. <laughs> you know, I was prepared. <laughs> that just sounds heavy. Yeah, it was like a, it's a little collapsible plastic camping toilet, and I had it in the back. I had a oh lot of gosh. stuff. I had like um, uh, I I I was like, you know, I'm not. <laughs> I was like. I'm gonna make a podcast, so I had a lot of my film gear with me. Wow. I had a lot of stuff that I just ended up sending home because, especially myself as a filmmaker, you know, I thought I was gonna film a lot more, but it was hard, and I needed to adjust. I needed to let myself get used to it, and so in the beginning, I really didn't film often. I just let myself learn and complain and figure it out. And just focus on that because, you know, I had to let myself adjust. But then what was worse was I later ended up sending my sleeping bag home, which was the stupidest idea because I was like, it's the summer. It'll be hot. No, it wasn't (laughs) in a lot of places, you know. And so I'm like wearing all my clothes in my tent and, um, yeah, it was definitely a learning experience along the way, for sure. I expect you learned what to take for this next trip that you're planning. Oh, absolutely. Now I, I assume I'm like, there's this, I'm looking at my stuff and I'm like, am I not even taking enough? Like one of my bags is almost practically empty. But in general, I know what I want to make sure that I have. And I know like one of my bags is practically empty because I'm going to have to have a bear canister. So the food's going to be in that sure. and stuff like that. So, but yeah, it's definitely a lot less than it, <laughs> than it was when I first started that other day. So, right. so what were your days like on that first trip? Like you would wake up and then what? Yeah, I would wake up, collapse my tent and, and my campsite and I'd just get on my bike and I would ride. Cause usually at night I would figure out where, I was going to go the next day. And so as the days went on and I became more ambitious, I would go, okay, I'm going to try to ride 30 miles. I'm going to try to ride 40 miles. You know, I had to make sure that I stayed realistic depending on like the terrain. So like, for example, I, I was going to longer miles in like Iowa, but then because everybody before Iowa, they were like, yeah, Iowa is flat. You know, it'll be easy. Iowa's not flat. Iowa has rolling hills and they're aggravating, you know? So like I had to like adjust and be like, yeah, you, right now you're probably not going to do 50 miles. You need to just get through the Iowa hills and the Iowa heat and the Iowa humidity to get to the next place that you're going, you know? So I'd plan all all of that stuff out while I'm in my tent. And in the morning, I would just get going. I'd drink some water. And then I would would eat something maybe a good hour in. Um, Maybe if I decided to stop somewhere. There was was a point where I stopped carrying so much food. And I'd kind of just either I'd have enough food for the day or I would just stop somewhere along the way. Yeah, that was definitely like how I got started with my days, just getting up and going for sure. 
Did you know where the places were that you could stop and get food and stuff like that? Was that marked on your navigation tools, whatever you're using? Yeah, because for the most part, most of the places along the route were in like populated cities and towns. So I wasn't too far away from everything. It wasn't until I got to maybe like Nebraska, maybe even like the western side of Iowa, you could argue that too, because the western side of Iowa kind of gets desolate at times, where you had to make sure that you kind of had enough. But for the most part, I would make sure like I could at least ride to a certain destination where I knew that I would have shelter and I'd be able to get food. And if I needed to get more water, I could get water. So I'd plan that out for sure. And once you got to the place where you were going to spend the night, you know, how many hours were you spending there and what did you occupy your time with? So usually I would make sure, because I never wanted to ride at night. So I usually got up every day around, I want to say between 6 to 8 a.m., so depending on how far I'd go, I'd get to the place that I would be staying maybe around between like one to three o'clock. So it was always in the morning. And so it depended on where. So like you had like the warm showers and warm showers where um, those were people's homes that would take you in. And so you'd get there and you'd shower and then you can have conversation and talk. But then if I was like at camp, I'd set up camp. If there were showers at the camp, I'd take shower and just go and look around my surroundings. And then I'd probably go in my tent because I'm not really a bugs person and uh, and there'd be bugs. And so I would probably go in my tent and just chill out. This time around, what I learned is having a tarp being able to set up tarps so that if there's sun, won't get roasted by the sun while I'm in my tent. So making sure I'm packing that this time around. But yeah, I just chill in my tent and maybe edit some stuff or I'd go on social media or maybe watch something. I tried not to sleep if I could help it so that I could sleep through the night or I'd like call my parents. So that would be the main things. And were you cooking or were you buying sort of ready to eat meals? Uh, at times I would cook, but I feel like my more so bought ready to eat meals just to, because I just hadn't really adjusted and I just wasn't very interested in being outside with the bugs during, <laughs> during the summer. I just, yeah. <laughs> I just wasn't. And like one of the biggest things too, it's like there there are some big spiders along that route. And I was just like, yeah, you just stay out there. And so I was, uh, I, yeah, I never really sat outside often just to like eat food. You know, if I was like outside and I was talking to people that were like at camp, that's cool. But for the most part, I was, um, yeah, I'd probably eat something that I already had ready, and then I would get everything packed up and then get in my tent. 
Yeah. So you're traveling solo and the trip took roughly three mm -hmm. months. What was it like to be solo for that long? So in the beginning, it was very difficult. Like I'm a person that likes my alone time, but I think like because it felt so hard in the beginning, I, I was, it kind of felt so overwhelming and I felt really lonely. Like that loneliness uh, was consuming me. But as time went on, and as I was able to adjust, like I was, I was good. It was, it was, cause I think it was so much easier just to connect with people. It I could really make my own rules and, and set my own, uh, how far I wanted to go, you know, especially I was really slow at times, but then there was times where like I'd meet other bikers along the way and like they would ride with me you know, for a day or two. Um, and that happened several times. Like I had a friend that I had met in uh, Pittsburgh and she ended up driving to Iowa and she had biked with me to Nebraska and stuff like that. And, wow. and so like cool. you just get to meet people along the way and you, and you, I think having that flexibility just makes it more interesting and spontaneous. So I just had to adjust to it in the beginning because it does kind of feel, yeah. feels weird, but it's not, it's not that bad. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I like to be alone, but sometimes it's like, oh my God, I've had enough of you. You're, you're boring me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you have another trip coming up and I understand you're leaving next month. So soon. Actually, I'm leaving very soon. Yeah, I'm leaving very cool. soon. I am going to be starting in Alaska and I'm heading down towards Argentina. Right now it's, it's very open. You know, I might go all the way to Argentina. There's been a lot of signs that s seems like I probably might go all the way to Argentina, but definitely I'm just going to flow with the road and see where the road takes me. I found a lot of comfort. There's this girl who is currently biking around the world and she's been biking around the world since 2011. And I just find it fascinating. Like she's gone to every continent and I'm like, yeah, I just want to travel the world. That's just always been a dream of mine. And the bike has given me the accessibility to do that because all I have to do is just pedal and continue on, you know, and one of the biggest things for myself is I just want to enjoy the experience. Last year, I, I, I feel like I put so much stress on myself because you, you have all these rules of what a bike tour is you have to bike every mile and in the beginning i was like yeah i'm gonna do that but then i was like no i don't feel like always doing that you know there are times where i want to enjoy and there was like um and the gap from pittsburgh to where the gap starts there's like this train that takes you up this hill apparently it's like a really beautiful train and I chose not to take it because I needed to bike up the hill and I was like 
you know, this time I'm going to do the things that are interesting to me. You know, if I want to take the train, if I want to take a ferry, if I want to, you know, catch a ride with somebody, I'm going to do those things. Because at the end of the day, 75% of the time, I will still be biking, you know. But I want to make sure that I let myself just exist out there and have fun, you know. It's not all about just cycling. It's about existing. And so that's what this trip is about. As well as, you know, I want to experience a lot of my childhood dreams. Um, I'll be on the West Coast and I've already pinpointed some places. I want to learn how to surf. So I'm going to be doing some surfing lessons along the way. I also want to learn how to like slack line and eventually high line. I just find that so fascinating and I just want to at least try it once. So, you know, I'm going to capture those stories, especially, you know, wanting to just show that we are a lot more capable as we are just figuring out how to do it in our body that we have right now. So those are the stories I'll be telling for sure. Yeah, talk about how you're going to share those stories and sort of the details of recording them and like what are the logistics of all that? Sure. So last year, I towards the end, I started getting a lot better with creating videos. I had a 360 camera that I didn't use for like half of the trip. But once I did start using it, I was like, this is amazing because it's just such a easy to use camera that I could just export in vertical or regular video format. And I started just making these little stories of the adventure. And what I'm planning to do is just creating series of the different experiences that I intend to have along the way. So I'm gonna have the bigger experiences of like learning how to surf and hopefully learning how to skateboard officially. <laughs> but I also want to have like the small experiences, you know, um, learning how to wild camp. But yeah, I was terrified of even attempting to wild camp the first time, you know, but I, like I said, I came across this girl and her YouTube channel. And I, and I also came across another girl who's, who had just started her biking trip through Europe. And she did like a whole video series of her wild camping for the first time and it scared her as well um but you know letting yourself try and understanding how to do it respectfully and the best ways to do it you know you can find like beautiful places to set up and that's just off the beaten path and as a kid who used tumblr you know i i, I want to create like those photos that represent me in those spaces with the beautiful sceneries outside of the tent opening up with the zipper or um, just walking outside and having the beautiful backgrounds. And, and I intend to capture those moments and just creating that representation that isn't always seen in those environments. And so I'm telling those two different stories, just showing the experiences and then um, basically capturing these different moments that I personally just always wanted to experience, like safely learning how to build a fire and 
the wild camping, et cetera, et cetera. So those are like the stories that I'll tell. Well, your videos are are lovely. They're really lovely. And so not to be an old person, but how are you going to edit on the road? Are you going to be doing it all on your phone? Yeah, I've, I've been practicing and working on my phone and um, I found a, a great editor, phone editor uh, on my phone app rather. And yeah, like the video that I had just put out there that really kind of introduced this new bike trip that was completely edited on my phone. And I've gotten great at that. So I think over time, I do plan to try to get an iPad so it can be a little bit bigger. But yeah, phone editing, I'm gonna get a few hard drives and just keep at that for sure. Like one of my dreams is I, I want to create a web series. And so eventually on YouTube, I am going to try to figure out how to make longer form videos that will be like 15 to 20 minutes. Once I figure out how I will do that format, that will definitely come onto the YouTube channel. But for now, these shorter videos, they are quite efficient for me to make. And as I really go along and understand my voice and understand the story that I want to share, you know, I'll just be putting those out as I go along and um, just making sure that people are up to date, especially because they just want to make sure that I'm safe and and um, doing well. Live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned representation. You know, it is so important that we are able to see stories. I mean, I think about when I was a kid, I would have loved to have sort of met through social media. I'm not not really a big fan of social media, but met through social media people that were like me. I think it's awesome. Hmm. I mean, I I know you see you're not a big fan of social media. I, I think, I feel like social media isn't really getting the justice it deserves because it does, I feel like it's, I've, I've heard somebody uh, refer it to like a rocket ship and we haven't really seen the full capabilities of what beautiful things it has the capacity to do, you know. But in general, it, it really does give us perspectives of seeing different sides of ourselves and other people and the world that we never really had the ability to see until social media came along, you know. Yeah, you have a lot of people that wear their masks and only show certain parts of themselves. But I feel like we're getting into a space where there are a lot more people who are showing more authentic parts of themselves. And and I think stories and people are an amazing way to see ourselves and help us grow and heal as people, you know, because we can see like, oh, yeah, that is a very interesting way of looking at things, you know, and for me, at least, like, I definitely think like, social media has helped me heal and grow a whole lot more than anything that is around me, you know, because those stories of people who are brave enough to put them out there uh, have helped so much. What have you learned from the first trip that you're taking into this second trip? Hmm. I think the biggest one was just do you. You know, I, 
I think I was just so worried about not doing things right the first time, like not going on, not doing all of the miles, not, um, I mean, even like the part where I was like trying to like always eat healthy and stuff like that, you know, at, there was points where I was just not eating at all because I was like not, I couldn't particularly find the foods that I needed, you know, and I, I had to let myself like exist and have fun. And I think I stressed myself out so much on that trip because I felt like I wasn't doing things right. And so like when I got home and I really like settled and let myself really see the magnitude of what I did, you know, I was like, you did, you did so well, you know, you did so well. And, and you, you kind of get so hard on yourself because you're always like looking at the things that you think that people will think that you're doing wrong. And it's like, I had to learn how to just focus on what it is that I wanted to do so that I could have fun and not stress because stressing really made it unenjoyable at times and trying to follow certain rules and not doing certain things made it unenjoyable and so this trip it's all going to be about what what I want to do and I'm not going to be a bike tour that only does the miles you know I want to have fun and and exist and do what it is that's interesting to me so yeah, that was the biggest thing. Do you mind if I ask you about funding? How are you funding your trip and making it from the beginning to the end? Yeah, so last year, so like I, I had mentioned earlier, I originally had like $200 before I was going to leave. And there's this person who was on the Appalachian Trail. They were already on the Appalachian Trail and they wanted to have videos edited for their YouTube channel. So I had reached out and I was going to hopefully try to edit while I was out there to make some money. And when I was talking to them, they had connected me with their manager and their manager found my story fascinating. And she was like, how about I do an interview with you, start a GoFundMe and people will definitely donate. And at first I was kind of skeptical because I didn't think people would care that much. At that time, you know, I, I was very depressed. It was definitely something that I wanted to do. Like I needed a change. And so I didn't particularly think people would care, but she was just very adamant. She's like, sorry, go fund me. It'll be fine. And we'll do an interview together before you leave. And so I did. And the way that my social media just grew after that interview and the GoFundMe grew was just quite fascinating. Like for the longest time, I definitely would uh, bring down myself. And that was another thing that I learned from my trip to just understand, you know, I'm doing okay and I do matter, you know, and I, I had to, I had to learn that you know, and people really did care about my journey. People really did care about 
the adventure and they would DM me and they'd tell me how much they just enjoyed seeing the posts. And and so like GoFundMe was one of the biggest ways that helped fund the trip. Somebody had mentioned just like, just be a content creator, you know, the more that you create, people will care because people will value that. And I was like, okay, then I will keep trying, you know? And, and so that's what I did. And, and so with this trip, you know, that's why I wanted to expand it and really get back into that idea of like focusing on stories. Cause for the longest time I didn't believe in my story and I really wanted to start to believe in me, you know? And I was like, this is a really great time to just explore and understand myself and understand the dreams that I had. And because people will definitely um, resonate with that. And so I did, I created, well, I extended the same GoFundMe that I had from last year and then um, opened the Patreon for people who wanted to do it monthly. And then I, I've done some editing work since I've been home. So yeah, those are, the main things that are funding, but yeah. Why do you think people resonate with your story so much? I think one of the the biggest things is a lot of people just didn't realize, I guess like it was possible. Cause I, I kind of get like the same kind of comments that are like, you know, I've never seen a fat person before, like in like, and the term different terms that they would say, but like you never seen a fat person before doing that kind of thing, or never seen a black person before doing that kind of thing, or you know, it was just these things that made them curious to want to know more about it. And then from there they were like, you know, I've never thought I could try this. And I'd get DMs from people that are like, you know, I just had surgery and you know, watching your videos has made me want to get on a bike and figure it out. And I was like, um, do you have any bike recommendations? And I would just tell them like the bike that I had, you know, at the time. And I think a lot of it was just, people were just very, they were resonating and they're just very curious about something that they never really like experienced before. Like it just wasn't something that was the norm for them. I think it was just something that showed them like, okay, maybe, maybe you could do more with yourself if you wanted to, you know? It also seems like, you know, the name of your project, Recapturing Life, it's sort of, you know, yeah, we have to take advantage of what we have here mm -hmm. and the time. Exactly. Sort of goes back to fundamentals in a way. Absolutely. Like, that was one of the biggest things like, you know, you get to that point where you're like, okay, this doesn't particularly make sense. So if it doesn't make sense, then what does? And you're like, let me just go figure it out and understand what's true about me. You know, I was told this one thing, but then I'm seeing these things and that kind of debunks everything that I've ever known. You know, and I was like, let's just go and create and live what's true for me. And and that will become my life, you know, and 
yeah, that was the biggest thing for sure. I've read a couple times that you've said that you wanted to come up with a new vision of what your life would look like. Mm. Yeah. Like, what was that thought process and, and how did you, because like what you said, it, it's a mind shift. You know, we, we've been told these certain things and that, you know, oftentimes we get sort of in a, in a pattern mm. and then to find a new life means breaking patterns. Yeah, exactly. Breaking those limiting beliefs. And that's for sure what I intend to do, you know, creating the life that I want to live, basically, you know, and like, uh, for me, I know that since I was just a kid that I was just always fascinated with like extreme sports and adventures and stuff like that. Like, I just want to be someone that my body has the capacity to get me to anywhere that I want to go. You know, I want to be able to be strong enough and, and I want to be able to think well enough and I want to be able to be grateful and respect who I am, you know, and I'm like over time just mold myself into a person that I guess is self-sufficient, warm and, and loving, you know, and I just want to be an overall caring person and who can help whenever I need to. And, um, and I think like the biggest thing is, you know, you have to start with yourself to be that presence in the world for others over time. Do you have goals for this trip or goals long-term? Hmm. I have like small goals, you know, like I do still have my goal, like of actually doing a hundred miles. I've done, somebody had pointed out, I've done a hundred kilometers. So I, I definitely want to have the hundred miles under my belt as well. But I, I definitely think the biggest one is just to allow myself to grow mentally and physically and emotionally, allow myself to work through the fears and, and not allow them to uh, dictate my choices, which was a big reason why I chose this route as, as well, you know, because I knew like this route was going to obviously have mountains. Last year, hills and, and mountains were just so daunting to me. I was like, you know, I'm not particularly capable of doing those things that, or this is hard type of thought process, but I was able to do that. And, you know, and I think I want to continue that process of helping myself understand, like, you are very much capable of doing hard things and you are very much deserving of having things come easy, you know? And so I set this up to be something that is a very beautiful and growing adventure so that I could grow into the person that I'm looking to be for sure. I realized when you talked about fears that sort of my line of questioning sort of ignored that you could be afraid or there would be problems. I mean, are <laughs> you have been afraid? Oh, absolutely. 
Oh, absolutely. Especially, well, throughout the trip, of, of course, but I think in the beginning, it was probably the worst. Over time, I definitely, a lot of those fears definitely um, dissipated. In the beginning, I was worried about so much because I think like people were talking about bears and, you know, you'd worried about how you'd be perceived out there and just worried like if you wouldn't be accepted and just like a multitude of things. And so as time went on, you know, you, you, you just had to let yourself um, continue pushing forward and not particularly allow those fears to uh, to keep you chained up and to stop you from like your vision of where you want to be and where you want to go, you know? And, and so as I kept going, you know, I, you know, you realize like it's not as bad as you make it out to be in your head, you know, especially cause like with people, you know, people were really caring and kind along the way. You know, I'm sure there are a lot of terrible people that I possibly bypassed, but for the most part, you know, I met a lot of really caring people and a lot of that anxiety that I had around that definitely withered away over time, you know. So I for sure, especially now, you know, this new trip, you know, the bears definitely come back, but it's really just trying to understand, like, making sure you don't allow yourself to be so overwhelmed or so afraid that it dictates your actions where it does end up getting you hurt in the long run, you know? So I'm just trying to make sure I'm focusing on keeping myself safe so that I could have a great experience. I think I, what I really am impressed with is you know, obviously you're doing your research. You're not going into this totally blind. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you're also not getting so nervous about every possibility that could happen that you end up not going at all. Yeah. Yeah, That that's definitely a thing. You know, I, I mean, I think one of the, the biggest things that I learned is you can definitely figure things out over time, especially if you know enough, you know, and, and I make sure that I, I know enough of what I need to know so that going out there, I have what I need to be safe, to be helped if need be, you know, like, I mean, like, even like the idea of like training, you know, in the beginning, I was worried, you know, I'm like, oh, I, I have to go up mountains and stuff. But I'm like, I know enough that I will be fine, you know. I got on my bike and I'm still able to ride a good 10, 20 miles. I, I make sure of these things so that if I need to only go so far a day, that's what I'll do, you know, because I have the time to do such things. And that definitely been one of the biggest things for me. It's just making sure I know what I need to know so that the rest can flow honestly. Well, that's a great place to stop. Thanks so much. This has been awesome. I'm so excited to follow you and watch your videos. They really are lovely. They really are. Thank you.
And that wraps up another great show. Safe travels to Whitney. Follow her trip through social. Her links are in the show notes at hearhersports.com. Following female athletes does have an impact. And a great place to start is with all my guests on Hear Her Sports. Keep tuning in to every episode of Hear Her Sports. You being here, enjoying the conversation, and spreading the word about the incredible women on the show make everything I'm doing absolutely worthwhile. There are ways to keep the conversation going. Hear Her Sports is on social with the handle Hear Her Sports. You can send me an email to elizabeth at hearhersports.com. I always love hearing from you and do respond. We're now on Buy Me a Coffee, where you can, well, buy me a coffee. And that is at buymeacoffee.com slash hearher. Thanks so much. And until next time, bye-bye. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts.